Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. This week I'm joined by Gemma Clark. Gemma Clark was the original drummer of Pete Doherty's band Baby Shambles. We spoke about Gemma's early life growing up and how she came to be in the music business. We also touched on her other bands, the Suffragettes and the Crack, right up to her latest band that she's playing with, GW Paris. And also we spoke about Nambuka, which her family ran. At the end of the podcast, Gemma picked her heroes to come for dinner and which she would cook them. So I hope you all enjoy the podcast, guys. I'll be back very soon with another one. Right, Gemma Clark, uh, if anyone doesn't know you, you were the original drummer of Baby Shambles, um, amongst I other am. things, amongst other bands. So we'll go right back to the start, where you grew up, what school was like and things like that, and how you got to become uh, in the music business. And yeah. face it just by okay. <laughs> Buckle up. Um, so uh, my dad um, is a guitarist so I grew up with music all around Mm -hmm. Um, actually he used to play guitar to us uh, me and my brother instead of uh, bedtime stories we'd just get a guitar solo Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's great Um, he opened a rehearsal studios um, about 30 years ago now Mm-hmm. Um, just in London, and it was, it ended up being quite the, not the centre, but close to the centre of the um, Britpop nineties, um, the rave scene, and then all the bands that that were coming through. Um, right. So when I was eleven, twelve, thirteen, that kind of age, um, the bands, a lot of the bands that were in the charts, and people were listening to and talking to. Mm-hmm. talking about were sort of my friends do you know what I mean that <laughs> it was it was really when I think back it's it's pretty lucky I mean <laughs> it's yeah. great um so feeder cooler shaker skunk and Nancy, um the, the, you know that that scene yeah. they were all all around me um and when I was about 13 uh, me and my best friend from school decided we was going to be in a band. We were mm-hmm. going to start a band. He couldn't play. I couldn't play. And I actually wanted to be a bass player. Um, so we went to the studio after school in our uniforms. And uh, my dad gave us a guitar and a bass guitar and shut the door on us and just sort of left us, making horrendous sounds, horrendous noises, thinking that we sounded amazing. Um, and he came in about an hour later and, and showed her some chords and he showed me strap the bass on you know this huge bass on a little 12 year old and um showed me some chords but I just I couldn't do it what I was doing was I I, I laid it on the floor and was tapping the strings with my my fingers right <laughs> so he came in and he's like sorry Gemma you're a drummer I was like no I want to be a bass player <laughs> I was a bit obsessed with Sid Vicious I thought he was really cool all that uh-huh. running around pulling faces so I wanted to be a female, female seditious. And uh, no, my dad said, sorry, Gemma, you're a drummer. So I went, all right, I'll have a go. And he, he just gave me drumsticks, said, cross your arms like this, this hand does that, that hand does that. And 
that's kind of about as far as my lessons have ever gone. Right. <laughs> I just was left with my own devices. Um, time, time, time went on. And uh, I used to run up and down the corridors, knocking on all the, the band's doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, going, oh, can I, can you show me? Can I? We was uh, hanging around, like I said, Feeder, Skunk and Nancy, Cooler Shaker and Placebo at the time. Friends with them all and like, I think we were novelties at the studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Pink, <laughs> which then developed into the Suffragettes. Um, we had a deal, we toured relentlessly for years um album records you know all of the stuff that you was dreamed of being in a band we were lucky enough to have had all of those opportunities um yeah record deal with sony um flown to america for our album tours literally every day of of my life (laughs) literally all day every day tour after tour after tour it was just the best times and uh yeah so suffragettes I was about 17 or 18 Mm -hmm. was when um Peter and Carlos came into Ruse our studio with their guitar you know the famous story they came to London Mm um so again I stayed very good friends with them all um I'm actually still really good friends of the original drummer, Mr. Rascott. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that jam came, the shambles jam came about. So Libertines were off being rock stars, causing their big scene and, and their big scene. Um, and Patrick, the shambles guitarist, mm-hmm. um, was working at Ruse. He was our, one of our boys on the, on the desk, um, taking the calls and the band booking. And he rang me about oh, stupid AM and was like, oh, do you want to come and have a jam with Peter? I was like, yeah, not now. <laughs> and he was like, no, now. I was like, you're having a laugh. I'm not getting out of bed. It's like two o'clock in the morning. But long story short, I did go. Um, I had to knock on my dad's door. <laughs> it was about 1920. I was like, dad, I've got a jam with Peter. And he was like, well, go on then. Like, why are you questioning them? (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, I'm off, bye. Um, And, yeah, that that jam um, obviously was the start of some magic. Um, A few weeks later, we were still play, play, playing as a four-piece. And we needed a new bass player. And I'd been on tour with the Suffragettes with Drew, Mm -hmm. uh, with his old band. And he was a Ruse boy as well. And I remember saying to Patrick, how about that Drew down the corridor? Because <laughs> all the rooms are all, all the doors are down the corridors. So, yeah, I just literally knocked on the door one day. I was like, Drew, do you want to come have a jam with me? <laughs> he was like, yeah, bass, drums, why not? I was like, no, with Pete Doherty. <laughs> he was <laughs> like, whoa. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm up for it. Um, and the rest on that part was history. <laughs> yeah, so it just kind of... Fell, fell together really yeah it mm. was it's really organic really organic and I, I'm quite I like that it wasn't put together it wasn't contrived it just was mates going do you fancy a jam mm-hmm. do you know what I mean 
what was Carl's kind of idea of Baby Shambles at that time? Was he happy about it or...? Well, um, apparently not. I mean, I didn't really speak to many of the rest of the band at that time because um, I'm trying to think. So Can't Stand Me Now was in the charts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was a number two. Yeah. Um, was in Thailand at rehab. Um, and I think that that was, we started jamming sort of March time. And all of this was sort of May, May June. It's really hard. That whole year was such a blur yeah. to try and remember. I can imagine. Um, I'm sure someone listening is shouting now, going, it was June. <laughs> um, yeah, it was that sort of era. And they had fallen out because he had, Peter was supposed to go to Thailand to clean up. And actually had to come home and started a new band. As far as I understood, I mean, I'm not, like I said, it was a, a mental whirlwind of activity. Yeah. <laughs> and to remember back of what day and what date and what time and who and what, it, it's a blur. But I think, yeah, I don't think that he and Carl were on good terms, if that's the right phrase. Yeah, seem to think, it yeah. was always a bit kind of, you could never tell how they were with each other. I mean, what's your relationship like with the rest of the Libertines nowadays? Yeah, so, yeah, we, the uh, um, Libs were rehearsing at Ruse and they were auditioning for a new drummer. Um, and being a family business, I was, oh God, I, I probably 17 16 17 18 um, and it was my Saturday job so I would sit on the desk and take the, the bookings and do clean the rooms up between the bands and I remember my dad saying right you've got a really important audition that day so you've got loads of people coming in so you've got to show them where they've got to go and make sure they're coming in and out correctly and the band aren't being swamped with too many one at a time so there was quite a few people coming in. And all I remember of Gary was his really strong American accent. And he mm-hmm. was moaning. He kept coming down and he moaned about the pedal. Did I have a certain make of pedal? And I didn't. So he wasn't happy about that. And then he asked for another symbol. You know, like it was just three or four things. And he was yeah. getting more and more irritated. And so was I because I couldn't help him. I was like, this is all we have. I'm really sorry. I can't. Um, and I remember thinking to myself when he'd finished his audition and left, I remember thinking, God, I hope he's not come back. He clearly doesn't like it here. You know, like it was a real kind yeah. of vibe. And then uh, a few weeks later, they were in the reception, like, oh, we're bringing our new drummer down with me to meet, blah, blah, blah. And he walks, the guy that was irking with me. And I was like, oh, no. But he is the loveliest guy. You know, that, that's one thing on first impressions. He was obviously stressed, might have been nervous. And I was trying to put on a good front for the studio. Um, But yeah, so after Shambles, um, Gary, um, he's such a lovely man. We're still really good friends. Um, He, my family, we had a Nambuka music venue in London. Uh, And um, yeah, yeah. well, Gary, Gary came and did um, some DJ sets um, with Carl. Carl actually did some DJ sets. Gary was managing a band as well at one point and mm-hmm. they came and played for us at Nam. So yeah, it's all it's all it's all sweet. I don't really do enemies in the music business or anywhere. Don't like it. 
that's a good way to laugh. So, um, <laughs> what 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 timing was Nambuka? When did did you always hit Nambuka, or was this after the yeah. fire? Yeah, so we took the, the pub on about a month or two before the, the fire, right. which was uh, the possibly the most depressing two years of the family's life. Mm. I mean, but um, yeah, we, we took it on um, and started revamping, doing it up. And um, it was the spaghetti junction electricity sockets <laughs> that were overloaded fuse board kind of situation on. but um that was maybe 10 years ago now yeah i think it was after shambles yeah because peter came and played as well mm-hmm. yeah i had um beans and toast i've had them on yeah i listened so- Obviously, that we spoke a bit about that. I'm trying to get Alfie for the Holloways. Yeah, I'll give him a message for you. Yeah. So, obviously, we kind of spoke about the beginning of Baby Shambles, and you went on to record the single. You were on Kilimanjaro, weren't you? And, uh, yeah. The B side for that. You drummed on that. Man, yeah. The man who came to stay with it. Then, did you drum on any of the album? No, I left while we was in pre-production for the album, which mm-hmm. was potentially personally terrible timing, but <laughs> yeah. I, the time is right for me to leave. Um, mm-hmm. And they went on and recorded the album beautifully with um, Adam. So, yeah, yeah. So again, that, no hard feelings at all. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Did you have any idea of those songs or like were any of those songs kind of getting played in practice or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. loads of them. <laughs> yeah, loads. I remember um, Eight Dead Boys is on there. I'm pretty sure it's on the album, actually. Yeah. But uh, that was one of our newest babies. Uh, we played live a few times just before Christmas. Yeah, I remember the drums, the pattern, the whole way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, obviously, when you left, you put a statement out, didn't you? About yeah. you you were worried about Peter and the people that were surrounding him at the time. We were talking about the elite management and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. So, because, I mean, it must have been a whirlwind, kind of being in a band with him and the hangers-on that were there. Um, so, leaving the band... Did, did you have any regrets? I had the regret of leaving them, the three boys, mm-hmm. um, only because I did love them as brothers and I still do. I'm Being a band with people, it's like, it's like the most intense relationship you can imagine because yeah. you, you live with them, you work with them, you love with them like music is it's a chemistry and it it doesn't work with some people because of chemistries I believe mm-hmm. and so yeah the, my, my regret was leaving them because at least when I was in the band I was with them and I had an idea of what was going on leaving the band meant that I was not with them but I did have to try and think I mean I was only 20 when I left 20 21 
coming up 21 yeah 20 I was and I was young like now I I, I saw a lot do yeah. you know what I mean and not just music it was an amazing time career-wise like so educational for me with my playing as well because again mm -hmm. I'd never played with my drums with anybody outside of the suffragettes so I was terrified in my first few jams like who are these people how do they move like when are they going to change to the chorus and you know learn to read the musicians and and I had to totally revamp everything I knew but I loved it it was fantastic so yeah my only regret was just leaving them because the sound was so different as well with once they'd recorded and got their new drummer it mm -hmm. sounded completely different to the baby shambles that I knew and loved so do you see what I mean I was looking yeah. at them and listening to as a whole other band right. the boys that I knew and loved and the music that we made is so completely different mm. yeah there's no there's no and I still don't have any regrets looking back I just I just missed the the connection with them the three of them but you know we do we do still talk here and there uh -huh. <laughs> Peter changes his number like everyone has changes their socks you know so yeah <laughs> I just sat through social media and friends of friends really but that's okay <laughs> well that that's the thing I, I tried contacting him and it's it's like I need on a haystack in it can't get a hold yeah. of him yeah, yeah. I've rung a text a few times on the, the five or six numbers that I currently have which I clearly are not his I'm still um in touch with Patrick quite regularly mm -hmm. um he and I were friends way before the band anyway, because of, of the studios mm -hmm. and my dad. Um, and my mum is always in touch with Peter's mum, actually. They stayed really good friends. So right. we have the Christmas cards and birthday text with his mum. Yeah, and then I do the rest with everybody, the same as everybody else, bit of social media, yeah. like and comment or send a message here and there. Well, I'm sure I'll see him one day. Yeah, it's good, it's good that you are all still on good terms because you, I mean music can tear people apart as well so it's it's good to yeah. kind of hear a, a success story or something like yeah, that. Yeah I, I just don't think I could I couldn't rest if if there was any bad feeling between yeah. me and the boys you know I, I just I, that doesn't sit comfortably with me uh, I think as a personality trait actually I'd be terrified of upsetting anyone do you know what I mean so yeah <laughs> no it's all good well I, I, anyway I think so <laughs> they may tell different stories but <laughs> no you, you, you strike me as kind of you get a vibrant personality you kind of bring yeah. I'd imagine you bring the room together and I'd imagine you you were a good party kind of holding the holding the band together at that time as well and getting it to the the place it was and the place it was going to go. So what happened then after Baby Sam was Suffragettes still a thing at that point as well? Yeah, so Suffragettes was sort of on a hiatus. Mm -hmm. I remember I went for that first jam and um, the guitarist, Alex, that she's sort of my sister because we'd been friends since we were in primary school. Mm -hmm. I remember her being like, wait, you went and jammed with somebody else, you know, like cheating <laughs> on me. Like, no, but it could be amazing. You know, I just, it's just a jam. Like it wasn't, hey, do you want to join this band? It was just, do you want to go for a jam? 
And then we had a gig. We played at the studio. And and then it just rolled on. We ended up with some gigs in Stoke on Trent a few days later. And I remember just saying to the band, like, I'm going to do this because it's really good fun and they want me. I've never been asked to play drums for anyone else. Like, mm. come on, girls, cut me some slack. <laughs> um, and it's fine for a few months. We sort of agreed that it'd be a bit of a hiatus for the suffragettes and see where this goes. Um, and yeah, so when I came, when I'd actually, so you know the Astoria, the, uh-huh. the horrendous gig that no shows riot thing. Yeah, the the girls were actually in the crowd down there because <laughs> they'd come to see me. I was like, girls, I'm playing this story. Oh my gosh. And they were all there. Um, yeah, there was a few months that I was rehearsing on the same day at the same time with both bands. Yeah. Suffragettes were upstairs, baby shambles was downstairs. And I remember doing half an hour between each, thinking <laughs> on like my third time running back upstairs, thinking. Oh, I'm so done with this. I can't do two bands. <laughs> this is so much hard work. And uh, so, yeah, once I left Shambles, um, Suffragettes hit the ground running. We just picked up where we left off. There was quite a bit of interest um, gig-wise. Loads of people like, oh, jumping from Baby Shambles. But it quickly tailed off because the Suffragettes are so completely different to Baby Shambles. <laughs> I think people would turn up expecting you know jangly indie pop songs and and they were getting like riot girl punk songs you know they were like uh okay (laughs) um but yeah the suffragettes we went on for another three or four years after that Mm -hmm. yeah what was the scrap really writing and things who did the the writing with shambles well suffragettes Suffragettes. first so suffragettes started Alex and I, so the guitarist, because I'll I call her my sister. We always called each other sisters because yeah. we were so young as friends. Um, essentially, the bones of them were Alex. Um, and But we lived together for 20 years or something as mm-hmm. teenagers. So we were like angsty teenagers in our bedrooms, thinking we was being really, you know, 90s, you know, angst-ridden, writing our songs with an acoustic guitar and pen and paper. <laughs> um but then in the studio, it was pretty, it was pretty four ways. It was really good fun. I used to love writing songs with the subjects, actually. Mm. Um, and Shambles, as you can imagine, is pretty much just Peter yeah. and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> they would have quite conflicting song vibes at the beginning. Um, you know, um, Fuck Forever. Uh-huh. I'll say oh, that. I don't swear on this podcast. <laughs> I was thinking, can I say F forever? No, that is really cheesy. <laughs> but that song, that was originally um, just a riff that Patrick and I used to mess around with in sound checks. Um, and then the best one, so Man Who Came to Stay, that is, uh, I'm not going to hum it, but everybody can think of the intro mm-hmm. guitar riff. Um, and the drums are double tied. So it was originally, it was a bit of a, tongue-in-cheek, headbang, half-time kind of riff mm-hmm. that Patrick and I used to mess around with, like... And we were playing it in rehearsal one day, and um, Peter just started singing over it, <laughs> just <laughs> like that. And I suddenly thought, oh, I can't have half-time in anything that, that this band does. It's not it's not a stompy kind of band, so I quickly double-timed it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
the song was born. <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> so do, would you get a writing credit for that? No. 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 <laughs> drummers, drummers don't get those kind of credits. <laughs> so after the suffragettes, am I right in saying that it was uh, another band, The Crack? Yeah, The Crack. Yeah, the crack. Um, so what's the crack with the crack? Yeah, oh that's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? We were we thought we were so clever with that name. <laughs> um so the, the suffragettes, um the guitarist, lead guitarist and other vocalist Claire, she and I um were writing these like I'm gonna say silly party songs, but that sounds like, you know, Agadu or something. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> like that. But um, we are a similar personalities. We're all a bit silly. We love to go out and have a good time. And we'd started writing all these silly songs on the side that weren't really fitting for the suffragettes. And she and I just had this really silly idea. Why don't we start a little side project? We'll get two boys in the band to um, so that it's different to the suffragettes. And go from there like just jam uh-huh. these songs out and see what happens um and that silly little side project uh then bought birthed one of my bestest friends in the world tom from the crack so yeah we went on to uh, the crack so two boys two girls and it was some of the funniest times of my life like that band was so much fun <laughs> it was just brilliant we realized pretty quickly that we weren't going to fit into any pigeonholes, no mm-hmm. genres. We weren't cool. Um, <laughs> and it sort of shook off that cool indie vibe that I had, NME vibe from um, Shambles and the Kerrang kind of punk rock vibe with the suffragettes. And we just did our own thing. We lived... Right our own rules and made our own kind of music and our own scene um so yeah we started that with the club night we did once a month we would do it at ruse we would book some of the hottest bands we could find at that time that was you know and try and convince them to come and play our like exclusive studio warehouse vibe club um so, so we could got, play what sort of bands are we talking yeah um oh gosh did anyone get famous i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> do you know what i don't think anybody broke we did end up supporting though um uh florence and the machine uh-huh. um uh the holloways because they're all still um good friends of mine at the time mm-hmm. um and what was his band I can't remember, oh, 100, no, it wasn't 100 Reasons. I can't remember. There is another band, I can't remember. But it was uh, an era kind of kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Noel Fielding used to come to our club night, though. That's one thing. But we would have it sold out every month. There'd be like three or 400 people queuing to get in, and we couldn't believe our eyes. Like, all these people turned up. Um, the crack did some pretty amazing stuff that bands have never done before we um played on the orient express you know the steam okay. train yeah 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 we played that um we 
in our space hoppers, those silly inflatable things. <laughs> How many we... bands have played on the Orient Express? No, no. they haven't. So you're we the, were the first only band. band. Well yep. done. Um, we opened the gorilla enclosure of London Zoo. <laughs> 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 we, uh, we had the police called to us because we fed the pigeons um, at um, Trafalgar Square. Because uh-huh. it's illegal to feed pigeons. So we said we was going to feed pigeons via the press and the police turned up. Um, and we did space hoppers on the Millennium Bridge and we was we were actually in the, the Guinness Book of World Records because there was the most people space hopping in any one small place. <laughs> Amongst other things. We played Glastonbury. How about that? Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, and we did the crack and friends, um, beans on toast. He came up and did a, a jam with us on stage. Um, yeah, twice that weekend we played Glastonbury. Yeah, did that, anyone else said that? That sounds wild. <laughs> that, that actually sounds like um, more fun to be in the crack than and baby shambles. Oh, the crack. I mean, all all the bands are completely different, but the crack was exactly that. It was the crack, and it was a crack, and it was just brilliant you know we think oh what weird stuff you know, stupid stuff can we do now you know like it's all on youtube though guys <laughs> you well, i'm gonna check some of that out tonight i'll go back to nambuka because obviously we spoke i spoke to beans and toast and i'm trying to get holidays and obviously yourself so obviously your family had it is it is it your dad then again that kind of yeah mum and dad yeah 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 uh, so were you just kind of taking over London, buying up all the, the good venues and things like that? <laughs> I wish we could. <laughs> no, we, um, so we t- we've had Ruth, our studios forever. Um, and <laughs> my, my dad's, he's a trier and, mm. and you got to dream big. You got to have a go and he gives everything a go. And the one thing that, I think the mentality came from the crack. So the one thing that the London music scene was seemed to be missing to us was a proper, like a scene uh-huh. pub venue. Um, and we, it wasn't. We didn't actually look for Nambuka. We, I knew it. I used to hang out there a lot actually with all of the guys before that you were mentioning that beans mm-hmm. on to toes like Jay and um, the Holloway boys. Um, yeah, I would be hanging out there a lot, but it wasn't somewhere I thought of. I was just thinking my dad may get an empty venue, but the brewery guy that he was talking to said, do you want to have a look at this one? And he said to me, oh, I'm going to go and have a look at Nambuka. And I was like, oh, my God, how weird. Like, I was only there the other day. And, um, yeah, so we ended up taking it on. Um, it was a massive project. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, to, for what we wanted, it needed a, quite a lot doing. Um, and like I said, it was the first thing was the prehistoric um, electricity board. Yeah. So that must have just been overloaded. I don't know exactly, but it was a horrendous time, um, especially for the people that lived there. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. And because we were friends, I... I would have hated I hated the thought that that oh no we've just come in and 
burnt the place down. There was a lot of um, people's opinions and rumours going around, which I would like to completely squash yeah. once and for all. It was absolutely the worst times of our lives because we'd just taken on a new business mm-hmm. and we couldn't run it. Yeah. It was not an insurance job, as the rumours say. It was absolutely horrendous time. Um, and hindsight is a wonderful thing. Because um, in hindsight, we ended up having the pub have to be rebuilt. Um, and it was epic. I mean, <laughs> it probably would have been epic before the fire, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, like you say, hindsight, like I said, in hindsight, um, yeah, we ended up with a brand spanking new pub. And uh, the timing of that was horrendous. I think if we'd have got the two years before, mm. the music scene just started to change. Um, and it was all about you'd buy your tickets to go and see a specific band um, or you go and see your mate's band. You drink in the petrol station or the supermarket off yeah. license go in, see the band, and then leave. Um, so we were sort of running against the, the the tide, trying to create the vibe of gigs that we were used to. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're a music fan, you just walk in, you pay your money, and you go and watch all the bands, and you're there for the night. Yeah. It's completely changed. That's not to say that we didn't have some absolutely incredible times. Mm-hmm. You know, I was... I loved it. I was like the Barbara Windsor land lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Hey, go and get it then. Get out of my pub, go and... Get out of my pub. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was brilliant. I had all my friends working. We um, made some amazing friends. I'm um, a bit of a metal head as well. I love the metal scene, the metal music, the metal bands. So we... I would. I was getting to book bands that I wanted to see, mm-hmm. you know, rather than going to a place to book, uh, go and see a band. I'd go, oh, I'll book them. And uh, no, it was. It turned out to be some of the best, brilliant years, great years. Yeah. It just not not the years that I we had expected. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think with with the fire, kind of, it, it had an effect on everybody. Like obviously speaking to. Jay. And I don't think yeah. Jay even realised it, but I say it's like, was that kind of the catalyst for him bringing out his, his solo stuff, which he, yeah. he hadn't even really thought about. And he's like, I, yeah. I. so out of bad things come good things. Yeah. And I do think that you, like, I'm a positive person anyway. And um, hindsight is a wonderful thing, <laughs> you know. And at that point, when you know, those people's homes had burnt down and our business had just burnt to the floor. Dreams, hopes and all of that stuff was all just in ashes. And it's really cheesy to say all that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. It was really difficult to find the silver lining. <laughs> like, where is the positive in this? And for, like I said, for two years when we had no pub, but we were still having to pay out for it. it <sighs> daily as a family we'd look at each other and go what do we do like how can we find a positive from this like it's mm-hmm. it's crippling but hindsight we look back and think you know everybody nobody died a lot was lost 
but a lot was also gained and yeah, yeah it was an amazing time but the, the music scene had changed completely as well so <laughs> yeah. was... and, and that's it you know what I mean you, you can't do much about that if the if the bands yeah. aren't there then the music does change didn't it? and it was yeah it kind of run its course know that you want yeah. to run its course because I would have loved for these bands to continue but but you see, even now, well, COVID now, but prior to COVID, venues are closing daily. Yeah. There's less and less places to go and play. And I think that we were in the business, like venue side of things, just as it was all starting to change. Mm. So we felt the pressure coming pretty soon. So, yeah, we, we had to leave. <laughs> now, nowadays you're doing GW Paris. So yeah. What, what was the, when did the crack finish? So the crack was, oh, I think we went, oh gosh, got to try and work it all out. We had, um, after the crack, um, Claire, the guitarist, um, moved abroad. So me and the two boys carried on and we changed our name to Spitfire. It was mm-hmm. in homage to the prodigy. Right. <laughs> um and Spitfire was a cracking little band as well, I must say. Um, and that was just before Nambuka. So, do you know what? I don't even know. It was before just the, before Nambuka. Well, before the fire. Okay. So, we're, we're yeah, talking about, just, yeah. We're talking about, about 10 years then. So, yeah. what, so what have you been doing then? Other than Spitfire, what have you been doing in these 10 years, just having a family and things like that? Yeah, so I had, after Nambuka, um, was when I had my children. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of said to myself, like, up to my eyeballs in nappies and bottles and soft plays and coffee mornings. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do you know what? I've accepted it. This is my life now. I'll stop you know, drinking coffee and sitting in soft plays and moaning about it. This is my life. And I relaxed and I started to have a good time. I was enjoying being a mum. And that was it. I had no more personal want in life, if that makes sense. No more personal dreams. I was just like, I want my kids to be healthy, happy. And that's it, really. Mm -hmm. When they're old enough, I'll tell them stories of how mummy used to be a rock star and whatnot (laughs) and live my life and quiet moments on YouTube. Like, you know, my little memories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remembering what used to be. Um, and, yeah, so last year, the the second, e- you know, the second lockdown, Christmas time. Uh-huh. We were doing live stream gigs, socially distanced, of course, um, from Ruse. And um, so I went down on a Friday with um, my dad to just watch the bands from a distance of course because there was no people no, no audience it was just uh-huh. bands in the room and um yeah I was just a bit of a night out really <laughs> just not <laughs> sitting at home I'll just go and sit in my other at home and uh I met one of the band's managers and he was nagging me to go and listen to this band and you've got to hear it and you, they want you you should drum for them I didn't really have the heart to say look I'm done I'm not playing anymore I'm just a mum I'm not looking for anything 
I'm happy. I just said, yeah, 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 I'll listen to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finished, goodbye, you know, don't see him again. So the next Friday I went in and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> his other band had booked. So he to play this, the live stream and he was there again. I remember walking in and I thought, oh no, <laughs> it's that bloke. He's going to make me listen to that, that band. So I thought I'll front in. I just said, yeah, look, I didn't listen to it last week, but I promise I will today. And I did. I got in my car when I left and drove back and straight on Spotify and listened to JW Paris. And I was absolutely blown away. It was brilliant. I loved it. And it was so I'm, I'm like I said earlier, I'm quite um, more of a metal rock punk, like a heavier edge. Uh-huh. Music. Um, but I do love pop. <laughs> and this band just seemed to sit beautifully in the middle of all of that for me. It was just heavy enough that I liked it and just heavy enough that I could sing along. And uh, I remember messaging that guy straight back that night and I was like, you have to get me jamming with these guys. But because of COVID, we, we couldn't. I can't just form a bubble with strangers or whatnot. So we, uh, we was chatting loads over Facebook and I took myself off into the studio um, three nights a week. I sort of set myself a challenge of learning all their stuff. Bit of a, an exercise, really, because I'm thinking I haven't drummed in years. And if I'm giving it all the big in, like, yeah, 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 I used to be in beam shambles, blah, blah, blah. And I haven't played and sat behind a kit in how long? And if they lift these restrictions and these boys want to have a jam, I need to be able to walk the walk you know yeah. what I mean? so uh, I did I, I locked myself away three days a week I went into the studio um and just played my head off I played or learned all of their stuff all their back catalogue stuff I learned I used to just jam along to just random tracks that I loved um and when they called like okay the restrictions are up to fancy a jam I was so ready. I was like, yes, my head was back in the music again. I was loving it. And the rest of this is history. It's been quick because I'm like, I feel like it's all brand new. I'm like, yeah, brand sparkly new. So that single, the new single that came out, is that the first one with yourself yeah. going up? Yeah. Right. Because it's actually really good. It keeps coming up on my Spotify and it kind of, I don't I think it sounds, it's got a wee kind of Nirvana type sound to it as well, which I, yeah, it's good. I like. Um, so, what's the plans then going forward? Is... Well, we had loads of festivals and gigs all booked for the last month. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, I think I took it way more personally than anybody else did. I was just like on my knees, like, Boris, <laughs> I'm just playing drums again for the first time in like 10 years. Can you cut me some slack here? But we managed to get some rebooked. So my live drumming career begins again next week. <laughs> On the 29th. I'm so excited. So we've got gigs all next week. The 29th um, of July. So whereabouts, whereabouts can people see you? So the 20th. In fact, you might want to, you might you might want to do me your full tour schedule for the next year just so that it is it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, all I've got is three dates for the end of July. If it goes out next week, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you anyway. Yeah. So Thursday, 
we're in Brighton the 29th. Friday the 30th, we're at Camden, Fiddler's Elbow. And then Sunday, the 1st of August, we are in St Albans, the Horn. Um, There's a few scattered through August, um, but we're a bit nervous about talking about it in case we get these lockdowns constantly. So Mm. we're just taking it like week by week at the moment. (laughs) So where are you playing in Brighton? Thursday 29th, the Hope and Ruin, I think it's called. Right. I, I was in Brighton last week when I was when I was down south. I was in Brighton. Um, ah, it's great there, isn't it? Every time, every time we go down, because obviously my in laws stay in Crawley, so we go down at least once a year, ah. and um, we always go to Brighton. So there was mods in the beach. It was it was roasting hot, thirty degrees or something, and there was like yeah. Four mods in the beach with their big parkers and the Fred Perry t-shirts. Oh really? They must be roasting, man. They look cool as fuck, but they must have been sweltering. (laughs) Yeah, but they look good, so you know. Yeah. So we and then we have um then we have EP out probably our single will be from the EP, I think, September time. And then Christmas time is um kind of releasing like a song like once a month or something like that and then releasing the full yeah week. we're just gonna yeah take it yeah. steady um because it's this is my new baby and like there's only three of us so i only have two boys to deal with and they're just the best people in the world i absolutely adore them and so, you said earlier about baby shambles and kind of they were like your brothers so what yeah. do you think uh, these boys in? Do you feel like a mum in them? Do you feel like they're a mother figure? Yeah, um, do you know what, right? So <laughs> it's funny you ask. Um, I explained to them at the beginning how mega this is for me because I'm like, I'm so all or nothing. I can't just be in a band for fun. Like it doesn't just happen. But like if I'm in your band, this is it, right? <laughs> Buckle up because we're going to work. I like to rehearse a lot. I like to be on the phone all the time if we can't rehearse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I said, I am now your band wife. Right? <laughs> so they are my husbands. They know it. They're happy about it. Well, I think so. They have no choice. They are my husbands. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm... Uh, I, I don't know if I'm like a little sister or a mother. I'm quite mothery anyway. Now I've got children. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, because you, you can't turn it off, you? have always got that instinct now. Yeah. Well, Shambles, I was the little sister. I was baby G. Mm. Uh, couldn't shake it off. But, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm just a, like a nagging wife to these two. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I might have to ask. Yeah, I'm a nagging wife. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear that badge of pride. <laughs> oh, that has been brilliant. Um, I think this has been a brilliant chat. Obviously, as I've told you previously via text, um, or the podcast called "Time for Heroes," and we asked for four heroes. Um, oh yeah, four heroes to come for dinner, and what you're cooking them for dinner as well. You've already told me <laughs> off. Off mic that you're a terrible cook, so <laughs> don't know if it's just going to be toast or something. But um, I'd fire away with your your heroes. Do you know what this has actually been quite stressful for me? 
because I notoriously can't make decisions, right? right. <laughs> so my list of heroes. So we've got another hour and a half to go, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I was thinking about it today and I thought, I tell you what, I can't just have a dinner party because I'm going to have to invite too many heroes. So I'm just going to have a party and uh-huh. I'll give them some nibbles because <laughs> there's too many people coming. <laughs> I'll put some peanuts out or something, cheese and pineapple on sticks. <laughs> uh, that's I- like the laziest, um, the laziest cooking we've had on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> but it's only because I've got too many heroes. <laughs> no, okay. So, so, I, I have- so what are you telling me then that you're going over the, the four? threshold no i won't you can have as many as you want do i just go with musicians that i like but then i like actors as well and then there's friends and there's family and see uh, i can't make decisions i'll just go with the top four right Right. (laughs) no connection there's my dad absolute hero i think not just to me it's like a lot of people he is a legend one in a million absolute legend um, Tommy Lee. What's your dad's because, name? What's your dad's full name, guys? It's, it's Graham Clark. Graham Mr. Clark. G.R. of Rue Studios. Magic. <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah, he is obviously number one hero. Um, mm-hmm. So then Tommy Lee has been a long term hero, not just for his drumming, because he was a teenage crush of mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd have to come because I think he'd be quite fun. Um, and oh, see, now I'm stuck because <laughs> <laughs> I'd like John Bonham there because I want to pick his brains about drumming. I'd like uh-huh. to. But it would get a bit boring if it was just all drummers. Well, actually, it would probably, t- actually, we could like raise the roof on this place. So Travis Barker has to be there because he, right. he's just heck. Um <laughs> Yeah, I know. Right, no, carry on. Let's <laughs> let's hear what else you've then. No, don't say that. Honestly, my list is like shocking list. <laughs> okay, so here's Delilah Bond is um uh she is a rapper. I think you'd call her a rapper. I'm not sure. She is um, also the vocalist in a band called Hands Off Gretel. Uh And Delilah Bond is like her rap name. And she is an absolute hero. Like, without fail, she is a hero. I absolutely adore her and everything that she stands for. She is incredible. Where about is she from? Uh, Nottingham. Right. I want to say, yeah. Yeah, well, she's a northern. She's incredible. Delilah Bond. Um, and then a weird one, okay? It's got to be a weird one. Have you seen Sons of Anarchy? Uh huh. So the character, not the actor, the character of Jack Stello. Right. I'd like him to be there. So, so it's his character, so it, he'll turn up yeah. to the big, horrible white trainers then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they are one of the worst pairs of trainers I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say yeah. something good, like Chibs. 
Oh, it's good. It's good. Now, look, and juice. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. They're all incredible. I love, I can't make a decision. There you go. Yeah. I'd have to have my two boys from the band in there, Danny and Aaron. Uh-huh. They are heroes because they have changed my life. It's cheesy. It's cheesy as hell. And I would probably stick some pizzas in the oven because who doesn't like pizza? So, and actually you said you were just doing nibbles and then so this, after a couple of drinks, <laughs> you're like, all right, let's get pizzas going. You see, <laughs> well, you're, look, you're not as bad as you thought. This is all <laughs> we need. This is a massive bottle of Jack Daniels, right? It's quite common that... Everybody rock star, everybody likes Jack Daniels, surely. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack Daniels, cheese and pineapples on sticks, peanuts. And then pizzas later. <laughs> and then pizzas later if you have to. And I won't make them from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> does that, does, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant then. Honestly, you've been an excellent guest, man. Some fabulous choices. And it's been good fun. Yeah, it has been. Do you know that you're the the first female that I've had on the podcast as well? Am I? Yeah. I and I don't know what it is. I've been trying to get people on, but um, you're the first one that agreed to it. I'll have to have a think for you. Go for Charlotte Cooper Subways. I, I've got her on the last eye. Yeah, because they're back. Um, and Delilah Bond. Mm-hmm. She is incredible. Have her. She's yeah, I'm brilliant. going to check her out. Yeah. Um, um, thank you for coming oh, on. Sorry, just got me waffling now at the end. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly enjoy. <laughs>